This is Agents Influence Podcast. I think that with the rapid move to digital, we're going to wind up having to focus on some of those emerging trends that we're seeing in this industry, whether it's what I've mentioned around, you know, cybersecurity and what we're seeing from a ransomware perspective, whether it's what we may be seeing in regards to climate change, the need for those newer capabilities in order to support this industry. But really, um, at its foundation, we're going to have to try to define what that customer expectation is and build our industry upon that. So that, that's where I think we're going to wind up trending over the next 10 years. I'm Jason Cass, and we're going to help you think differently, change your agency, change your finances, change your family, And in the end, we're going to change an industry. Let's go. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome, loyal listeners. And welcome to Agents Influence Podcast, Conversations with Jason Cass. And today I am joined by Abel Travis. Uh, so I'm excited about that. If you don't know who he is, while I'm talking here, go find him out on LinkedIn. You're going to find out he's an insure tech guy. He's an insurance guy. He understands kind of the carrier side a lot. I don't know so much about the agent side. He knows about insure tech. He's motivated by it. And I'm excited to talk about it. Before I do, AIBrainShare.com. AIBrainShare.com is going on September 13th, 14th, and 15th. Prospecting, sales, and today and tomorrow's world. We're going to be talking about how we're going to use insure tech products. And we also like to call them indie tech products. How we're going to be using those products to be prospecting in and selling in today and tomorrow's world. So check that out, AI Brain Share. It's not a conference, not a convention. It's invite only. Go check it out. Thank you. Um, Abel, welcome to uh, Agents Influence, man. Jason, Jason, thanks, man. I, I appreciate the opportunity to come and talk to you. You know, this has really been a long time coming, so uh, very excited to have this conversation today. Yeah, it, it has been. Uh, for all you loyal listeners, you know that we wait for the time to be right, but I have been trying to get with Abel, and he's been going back and forth with me, and uh, that just shows how busy we are, even in some time of these challenging times. Uh, it's one of the beauties of insurance. Sometimes we didn't see the slowdown that a lot of other people did. Thank you, Lord, for making it that way. Um, so what I want to say to you, Abel, is uh, we're going to get right into it if you are. Absolutely. You an iPhone or you a Droid user? I am. I'm both actually, but I, uh, <laughs> you know, so I use the the Android for uh, my my personal things and also iPhone for work. But uh, but I love the Android. <laughs> really, that's great. I do too. I do too. I really do. Uh, that's good. What's the last app you downloaded? You know, the last app I downloaded. Yeah, it's funny. I, I gotta. I have to think about this one. Um, I, I think. You know, it, this is going to sound like old school, but I downloaded Microsoft um, Office apps uh, for for Android. And it was really, you know, with um, all the traveling that I'm finally doing again, it just made it a little bit easier to uh, just, uh, you know, navigate what I need to do on the phone. <laughs> right. That's exactly right. Yeah, it really, truly is. Um, everything, calendar, email, but, you know, Teams is huge for us. I don't know if you use Teams. We use Teams. Absolutely. One of my businesses uses Teams. One of them uses Slack. So um, I think that uh, actually the – I think they're both awesome. I think Slack, the way that they have the, the channels and the direct messages – 
is easier than Teams when you have to click chat or click over on Teams and find something going else because, uh, anyways, we're going off here. But I, I, I really, truly do like Teams. It's become a vital part. I believe it's part of your di digital ecosystem, right? Someone should be Absolutely. Someone should be able to look at your business or uh, your agency or company and be able to d diagnose and say, wow, they've got a big digital culture going on. They like to share. You know, they're the future. I think it could be brought as valuable sometimes as the other accounting records we look at when we're purchasing or valuation of agencies and businesses, you know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, when, when I think about... Um uh, the critical nature of, you know, using Teams, for example, or or any one of those um, capabilities, especially as we saw what happened last year, um, you know, during the, the very challenging time of COVID. I mean, everyone was sort of thrust into this um, uh, sort of virtual environment, right, where they needed to mm -hmm. communicate in such a different way. And, and I think what we found was, um, you know, there were uh, software capabilities between Teams and Zoom and and those other capabilities that has really helped us, um, you know, whether it's in our industry or just just across the board uh, to to really navigate that virtual environment and stay connected. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I, I agree with you. I think it's been extremely critical. And I would see that, uh, you know, from a communications perspective, just as critical as some of the other software capabilities that we use um, in our in our industry. It was the. Um, now I was just sitting here thinking about this as I'm listening to you and processing it. It it has it. I haven't thought of it this way, but it is it is it has become the email 2.0 in a way. Oh, yeah. It's not email, but our email has went way down. And you know, our email was getting crazy before Slack and before uh, Teams was mainstream because because we were using it for general conversation. You know what I mean? And Absolutely. so it just created all this back and forth, which is now been put over there and so yeah 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 very very dynamic in so many ways do you love to win or do you hate to lose <laughs> i love to win <laughs> yeah that's me as well any specific reason you know um i i would say i love to win um uh, you know just because i love the feeling that comes with winning and frankly you know i don't necessarily hate to lose because i look at losing as a as a learning opportunity mm -hmm. you know um so whether mm -hmm. it's losing um you know something that that you're going for whether it's just like trying to build something and trying to you know create something innovative and something new um if it, if it doesn't work you know you you leverage what you've learned and you try to turn that into a win in whatever way possible so you know uh, that's probably why more um i love to win and in, in, uh in, instead of hating to lose because really losing creates that opportunity to learn from the mistakes or from the challenges that you faced. And, 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 you know, I want to learn about those challenges from you. Um, and, and I'm excited about that. And as you've went through and you've learned these challenges today, would you say that it, what's been a bigger factor, luck or skill? How about which one would you say, even if you they're know, tied, which one's 51%? Yeah. You know, I, I would actually say, um, when you think about luck or skill, I would say, uh, skill probably edges it out, edges luck out a little bit, but I don't want to diminish luck, right? Because I think right. luck have played a, a significant part in a lot of what we do. I mean, it's always about um, not only being in the right time um, and uh, or being in the right place at the right time, uh, but frankly, I think skill helps you identify where that place in time is, right? Yeah, and so then uh, mm -hmm. essentially um, intentionally creating that luck for you. So, you know, now for me, um, you know, it's uh, I, I think for me, maybe skill edges it out a little bit, but luck always plays a huge part in, in what I've seen. So take us back to, uh, 
you know, high school, college, bring us forward to where you are. I mean, all the way back to the Hartford days, it looks like, Traveler's Days, way back there. Tell us how you got to where you are, Abel. Yeah, yeah, no, thanks, Jason. You know, um, it, it's interesting because um, I, I never saw myself in insurance. You know, I'm probably one of the many people that uh, fell into this industry. So when I graduated high school, I was dead set on becoming an investment banker. You know, that's that is what I wanted to do. Okay. And, and that's where, you know, I, I saw my future. Um, you know, so when I got to, um, you know, when I graduated high school and when I got into college, um, you know, I uh, I took classes that were related to computer science um, as well as finance and economics in order to really get that more uh, technical investment banking cap- or, or, or skill set. Um, you know, so uh, afterwards, I, as I was looking for a job, I had a, I had three offers on the table. I had an offer from a, an organization in which I did an internship with uh, a few times, Xerox organization. I had an offer from a, a boutique investment banking firm that's no longer here today. Um, and then I had an offer from uh, from the Hartford. And, uh, you know, when I uh, had the opportunity just to sit down uh, with the, the the manager that I interviewed with at the Hartford, she asked me really one simple question. And that question was, you know, um, do you see yourself with the family? Um, and, um, you know, what do you think about work-life balance if you're going to go into the banking industry? Because when I took that interview with the Hartford, it was more like, okay, I want to make sure that I have uh, another opportunity um, in the event that, you know, these other ones that I was interviewing for sort of fell through. But, you know, I, I really sat back and I thought about what she asked me. And, and she was absolutely right. You know, I wanted mm-hmm. to, you know, make sure that I had the opportunity to, to have a family. But I also wanted to have a life. I loved, you know, right. just to to enjoy, um, you know. But as I started to learn a little bit more about the insurance industry, it became a no-brainer. You know, um, you know mm-hmm. just knowing that um, it, with insurance, it, it really helps to, to provide stability for the people, for economy, for the business. And, and that's something that in the early days um, I wanted to be a part of. So, you know, I decided to, to take that offer with the Hartford starting in uh, commercial underwriting. Um, and then from there, uh, there ever since, you know, I think it, it's just been the best decision, especially, you know, considering what we saw happen out in, um, in 2008 with the financial collapse, um, you know, with companies like Bear Stearns and a lot of the other organizations, you know, I would say the insurance industry um, has really served its purpose. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be in it. Right. I wrote an article, loyal listeners know about what does the world look like without insurance? Right. Because as you said, it literally is critical to everything that goes on. You can say the pandemic, the pandemic, there was really no insurance for that. Right. There was no but there was no insurance to keep the businesses operating, even if they couldn't be there. And and it collapsed everything. That's what a world looks like without insurance. I want to get behind and I want to get in an industry that is capable of helping other people like that. So I really like that. So you jumped up to Travelers, Chubb, the Hanover Insurance Group, which, by the way, Abel has a great uh, LinkedIn. You can look at this and find out everything about him. And now you're with AF Group. What What is that? What is that? What are you doing? You've got a podcast. You're, you're a keynote speaker. What's this <laughs> AF Group, man? Yeah, you know, so AF Group is the company um, that I work for. So uh, it's a, a two and a half billion dollar company out of the Midwest here in Lansing, Michigan, and I'm here in Lansing right now. Okay. Um, and you know uh, what the focus is 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 being on a specialty, uh, being a specialty insurance provider. You know, uh, the the company itself has been around for about 115 years. Um, and they've started off uh, with, uh, you know, writing workers' compensation insurance, right? And that's that has been, you know, really uh, the the biggest line that the organization has written up until a few year uh, up until a handful of years ago, you know. So um, in 2015, um, AF Group 
change their charter. Um, you know, because it used to be a state fund here in Michigan, they had to get um, you know, uh, you know, regulatory and legislative approval in order to change the charter to do more than workers' compensation. Um, and um, you know, from there in 2015, um, all the way up until now, during that point, you know, uh, we had the ability to go into um, other multi-line uh, disciplines and functions. So, for me at AF Group, um, I run one of the companies for AF Group called Fundamental Underwriters, and um, what we are is the multi-line diversification for organic diversification. Uh, we're, we're that organic diversification arm for AF Group, meaning that we look for opportunities where there is a gap in the marketplace where we could potentially offer um, insurance, either, whether it's um, you know through helping the uh, the the, the customer to improve, uh, you know, their their loss performance or whatever it might be. But we look for gaps in the marketplace to offer insurance for customers that really need it. Um, and then we build those products and then deploy those products. Um, What's the premium size you're talking, Abel? Yeah. So um, so with Fundamental Underwriters, our average premium size right now is about one point two million dollars. But we've only launched two products through Fundamental so far. Okay. Um, you know, one is the commercial trucking. Uh, product on, on with the auto liability and, and another another one is a brand new product that we created for the marketplace that's not out there today and it's a primary non-owned auto um, you know product for the help the health and human services um, you know customers okay okay where do you I mean um, do you think that they could create an insurance specifically for what your guys are doing that could affect that could handle a pandemic? Do you, you know, see that there could be a premium charged and put on policies for that? Yeah, you know, you know, Jason, I, I think that's a really great question. Um, and um, and you you said it really well. When when you looked at what happened last year, uh, it was something that hasn't happened in over 100 years. But every institution failed. You know, uh, whether it and and part of that is because you know the government um, was forced to because you know in order to control the pandemic you know, across the different states to deliberately shut down the economy, meaning that people didn't have the opportunity to, um, you know, to, to, to go to work, um, to earn money in order to make a living. So people really quickly recognized that because they weren't able to do that, um, that, you know, uh, either their, their business were, uh, businesses weren't able to make money um, or, you know, they may not have been able to support their families, right? So even as you start to look into, okay, well, where could insurance have played a role during the pandemic? Uh, you know, there was language uh, that was within the policies that 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 really wasn't that that really didn't trigger, especially for things like business income or other mm -hmm. types of support, meaning that because all those institutions failed because they were, the language wasn't in place, the government was required to uh, provide supplemental assistance where needed. Uh, you know, so, so to answer your question, Jason, um, I absolutely think that, um, you know, pandemic insurance is, is needed. You know, I, I do think that there's something out there. I don't know what it looks like right now. I do think that foundationally it has to deal with whether it's business income insurance or maybe a, you know, stronger um, uh, in insurance on the personal line side, uh, you know, as people uh, will need funding in order to support their lifestyles. Right. But right. but I absolutely believe that there's an opportunity to create something innovative to support these these challenges. So this isn't exact. So all you insurance geeks out there, I'm speaking from a high level here, but this is what happened during 9-11, right? They had the TRIA Act, which gave a backstop of like $100 billion or something like that, is what the insurance companies were on the hook for. 
And it allowed actuarially for them to be able to say, okay, hey, we can we can form a rate for what we think is going to happen there, right? That that's where I thought I think that we're going to have to go because buying that terrorism is just made, you're buying it as a covered cause of loss now. Which then, if it's a covered cause of loss on the premises, now the business income would have triggered, right? And think about this though, Abel. They would be on an, a lot of them are like on an actual loss sustained, right? So this is like, this loss could have been way bigger than they thought. So if they have to take on that kind of a risk, would we maybe price business income out of the park um, to where that's where you guys could have a nice product that could slide in there? The government's going to have to come up with some backstop, something that says, hey, if this happens again, I know the likelihood is so small. I can't imagine how the insurance companies couldn't possibly make money over it over the long haul, you know? Yeah, a- absolutely. You know, um, and, you know, I-, I just think about what happened last year, and it was unprecedented, right? You know, so so to your point, um, when you're when you're dealing with challenges that's that's unprecedented, and when you're dealing with financials, um, you know, it, 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 as you start to look at the support that's absolutely necessary to sustain the the economy at that point, you know, when when you put the the market um, capabilities of all the insurance uh, organizations together that's not enough to support this unprecedented event, you know, that, that we've seen, that we've witnessed with COVID. So to your point, um, I I do think there has to be some sort of a government backstop, but I also believe that, you know, um, insurance organizations could look at opportunities or even, even if it's mandated is somewhat in a similar way as TRIA, um, to help to fund that backstop. Right. So we're not sort of trading future dollars for, 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 for potential challenges that we may face in this economy. Man, I like this. I like this. This is, uh, this is something that um, I'm making a note here because this is something that I didn't really expect this conversation to go this way, right? <laughs> so this is a uh, welcome. This is why the uh, loyal listeners love it. So going back to you, like you've went now, you've went from this underwriting, you've jumped through some companies, you've learned the ropes, and then there was like this aha moment, specifically I think following you, it is right around the Hanover time. And you kind of got into this like, uh, the podcast, and then all of a sudden you're speaking everywhere, and you're and you're and I'm I. This is Jason saying this. You're Mister InsureTech, and so I, I. It makes me wonder, like, what happened? What was the light bulb that went off that you just said, "Holy cow! I got to take notice." Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, A.K. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. You know, that's a really great question. So um, when I was in the handover, um, so I, I led uh, business uh, product development management and strategy for business insurance. Um, and, um, you know, what, what I recognized that we, um, you know, took an extremely traditional approach to, to what we were doing. But as I started to look out more broadly into the insurance industry, you know, there was this sea change that I saw happening. Right. 
Um, and, uh, you know, there was a, a, a change in the way that technology was being used in order to drive transformation in, in, in insurance organizations, you know, um, you know, in, in insurance agencies. There were other organizations that were coming in, and this was earlier on, and I don't typically use the term disrupt, but that were coming in to look at opportunities, not at that point necessarily to enable the insurance value chain, but to disrupt the value chain. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, as I was talking to people about what was happening in the insurance industry, nobody knew what was going on, you know, so the people that I worked with, um, you know, they, they didn't know. So what I started to do was like, okay, you know, I would just pick up the phone and start calling people that I've seen, you know, either uh, uh, building an insure tech capability or, or you know, really looking to either enable or, or transform or, or disrupt the insurance space. And I'd call them and say, hey, do you have 20 minutes just to talk to me about what you guys are doing? Or if they were in the Boston or the, the Northeast and New York area, I would just ask them, hey, can we can we have lunch? And just because I want to know what you guys are doing and what this is going to mean to this industry, right? Because um, a lot of what we've previously seen has really been transformational. So I didn't have anybody to talk to about this. Um, and um, frankly, you know, people around me, other people that were in my network had no clue what was going on. So that's when it, it, the light bulb went off and, and I started thinking about, okay, well, how can I get this information out to the insurance industry really to help people understand that there is this change that's happening in this industry? Um, and, um, you know, it, it's similar to, to what we've seen with, with fintech and what we've seen with biotech and, and a lot of the other areas um, in that yeah. we have to be ready. Um, in order to engage um, as well as to uh, take these transformations on, right? Uh, you know, especially as we started to see, um, you know, what's been happening with customer expectations and, and the customer experience. You know, so even during that time, you know, you, you, you started to recognize that customers started to expect things of the insurance industry that the insurance industry couldn't provide, but right. that was being impacted by organizations that had absolutely nothing to do with insurance. Right. So, you know, you, you, you think about the same customer experience that you get from like your iPhone or, or from your mobile phone, or, um, you know, uh, when, when, when you deal with companies like Apple and companies like Google and Amazon, and all of a sudden, you know, uh, you know, there were customers that were looking for that same experience. So for me, I wanted to, uh, you know, to take that message out to as many people as possible, right, in the insurance industry so they can really understand what the undertones of what's happening is. Um, and that's how uh, my podcast, The Insurance Innovators Unscripted, was born. You know, so, um, you know, really, um, I, 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 at that point, I took the opportunity to, you know, made some phone calls and I got, uh, you know, together with um, Matteo Carbone and Timotea um, and Daniel Schreiber from Lemonade and, um, you know, and, and just started having these conversations and asked them, hey, can 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 we record these conversations? And of course, um, they, they were interested in doing that. So, um, you know, uh, taking that, driving the podcast, releasing the information um, and, and really that's how, uh, you know, the the insure tech um, you know, side of what I've been doing for over the past six or so years got started. Yeah, well, that's good, man. I, I really, really love it. And I think that that you're doing a good job. It's funny how these uh, insure tech carriers, they really came in strong. Their technology was going to help. Now they're starting to come around to the agent, starting to realize that the big boys do have something right in the in the agent carrier relationship. Um, but I believe that the good part of this that a lot of agents and agency owners don't see is that you guys or the the insure tech space 
coming in and saying, okay, wait a minute, if we can deal with agents and we can pick up market share, let's think of the insure tech uh, people out there next, uh, Hippo, all these ones that are out there. Um, if they can pick up some market share, let's do that. But the agents don't connect with us very well. And they start helping us understand the connections that us agency owners who still kind of think back in the future or the past, which, hey, when you're making $300,000 a year and you come into my office and try and tell me that I need to change and $300,000 a year in small America is 600000 in New York City, I don't know why I'm going to change. I would, but I'm just saying you see the mentality of this. But to be able to say, well, we can give you a more efficient platform for you and your agency and your customer, um, that becomes pretty attractive, you know. Um, and I and I think that that's the good part of insure tech in it. I also think one of the good parts is indie tech. Hey, well, I mean, I, there's a lot of good independent agents that have created some badass technology. And, and sometimes they're a little bit more close to what we're needing as opposed to the insure techs, which are big with the carriers. Do you see them meshing more of the insure techs coming down to the agency level to try to help us with technology? Do you see that? Yeah, I, I absolutely do. You know, um, and, and, and you're right, you know, just even when you think about the where um, insure tech and how, how that's that's matured. You know, um, originally, uh, you know, I mentioned they were looking at sort of disruptive capabilities. And now I, I look at that as more look at what they're doing as more enabling capabilities, because especially with an industry like ours, it's not easy to come in and disrupt and, and transform, especially, you know, um, given how established this industry is. So even when when I when I think about indie tech, for example, um, you know, I, I, I believe that indie tech at its time was necessary and continues to be necessary. But I don't believe that indie tech tends to be scalable on the wide scale because typically it's being done with um, with the independent agents versus being able to, you know, um, or okay. with the individual independent agents versus being able to, you know, take somewhat of a broader scale. Right. But that's where, you know, in my mind, um, you know, I, I look at um, opportunities like broker tech ventures, for example. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but Come on, explain. You know, um, they, 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 they take the opportunity to partner in sure techs with other um, you know, independent agents or with, with other larger agents in order to try to bring their capabilities together in order to support the transformation that we're seeing in the insurance industry over the broad base of independent agents, right? So that's where I see the marrying of the in, of indie tech and insure tech somewhat coming together. Okay. Um, and okay. Um, with those insure techs being able to really drive um, you know, uh, 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 enhancements of, of what's, what the independent agent channel is doing. But frankly, Jason, I, I got to tell you, you know, I've been extremely impressed with um, a lot of what I'm seeing play out in this independent agent space. Um, but of course, you know, as the agents are serving their customers and looking to engage with the carriers, um, you know, they, they have to uh, try to figure out if there's a way to create sort of a, a uniform platform that can engage up through multiple carriers instead of sort of a singular channel. So right. that, that's really where I, I would see that all coming together with InsureTech. Yeah. And I think that InsureTech can be the, um, I think they can be a good adapter. Right. That adapter that can say, hey, this doesn't talk with this, but, you know, we can build that out. So I think that that's very, very interesting. Um, where do you see us going in five to 10 years? I mean, where do you see the industry? You know, do you is it does it look much different than it does right now? 
You know, um, it's that's an interesting question. You know, I've been working out, um, you know, exactly, you know, what I think the industry is going to look like in five to 10 years. And um, I've been looking at it from from multiple perspectives. So first and foremost, um, I think this industry is going to continue to be extremely digital. Um, And we're continuing Mm -hmm. on that path of digitalization. Um, but when you look at sort of the spectrum of where carriers are and where agencies are, there's everyone that are in different parts of that curve. You know, so there are some that's on the left that's just starting their digital um, journey. And then there are others that are on the other side of this that that's really made some uh, some some headway. But, you know, I, I said this a little bit earlier. Right. Um, you know, as an industry. You know, we've been influenced by organizations and that have nothing to do with insurance. That's been transforming the customer experience. Right. And that's been trending more towards a digital world. So, you know, I think we're going to see a lot to deal with uh, with, with digitalization, um, you know, in, in, in that in that regard. You know, I, I think something else that that we're going to see and, and it's really similar to um, to some of what we're seeing today. But I got to tell you, I don't believe in disintermediation of the independent agency channel. I do not believe in that. Right. Because, you know, agents still hold, um, you know, a a significant, um, uh, you know, um, uh, direction in regards to the relationship with with the with the customer. Right. right? So customers may change the way that they're looking to get their business. um, And you may see commoditization for some of those sort of uh, smaller, lower complexity business. Right. But when you think about what the needs of the customers are. You know, especially with with the the lower commoditized business, um, there's some highly complex needs of the customer that I don't believe um, an individual, uh, you know, that that doesn't have that subject matter expertise is going to be able to find on their own. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I I think in the future, you know, we are going to see um, um, uh, the independent agent continue to play a key role in the insurance industry. I just think that they're going to be much more tech savvy um, and much more transformational with with what they're doing, you know, from a digital perspective. And then finally, you know, um, you know, I think that there's a lot that that we're seeing, but but I do think that with the rapid pace of digitalization that that we've seen, especially over the last uh, year or, or year and a half or so, um, you know, there, there was a, a statistic or a study that that, that I've seen. Um, I think it was from the Boston Consulting Group that said something to the effect of. Um, you know, we've accelerated digitalization in the insurance industry by seven years because of COVID-19. So what we've seen happen in 2020 wasn't supposed to occur until around 2027, right? Mm-hmm. Meaning that I don't believe that that acceleration is going to stop because what we've witnessed, um, I think, is going to now wind up being table stakes for the insurance industry. Um, and, and with that, I think, you know, came a lot of challenges that our industry has faced, right? So, you know, we've seen ransomware, for example, um, become a huge issue. It shut down pipelines. It shut down large multi-billion dollar insurance organizations, um, you know, um, and um, and I think that with the the rapid move to digital, you know, we're, we're going to wind up having to focus on some of those emerging trends that we're seeing mm-hmm. in this industry, right? You know, whether it's, um, you know, uh, what what I've mentioned around, you know, cybersecurity and what it's we're crazy. seeing from a ransomware perspective, whether it's, you know, what we may be seeing in regards to climate change, right? The need for those newer capabilities in order to support this industry, but really um, at its foundation, we're going to have to try to define what that customer expectation is and build our industry upon that. So that that's where I think we're going to wind up trending over the next 10 years. Going back to your second point, Daniel Burris, a futurist, which I've had on my podcast a couple times, genius man. The books he wrote in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s, he's right on. 
And he said that relationships are the future. And one of the things that he said when you were talking about there will still be agents and it'll look differently, the way that he explained it in his terms was lawyers. He said instead of a lawyer being surrounded with 10 paralegals, they're going to need like one paralegal and they're going to be using machine learning, AI, and they're going to be using other things to help them decide if this case is, you know, has it been proven before other cases that were saw that were uh, settled differently. Um, that's a lot of work today, but a very small, easy amount of work for a machine. And so I liked that. And I think that agents can use that, like all having all these different people in your office may not be necessary it must be necessary in the future because of that stuff i do believe there will be other jobs that will pop up though that will have to manage some of this stuff i believe data is going to be so huge that i believe data will be something that needs to be managed alone so i'm not saying we'll have less people i think we will a little bit but i think that it wouldn't be like hey we're just firing all of our csrs um as you said relationships are still the key so um Abel, I want to wrap this up, and I'm going to wrap it up with a couple different questions. Um, leaders are readers, and readers are leaders. I know you're a leader, so you must be a reader. What are you reading right now? You know, interestingly enough, um, I what I'm reading right now uh, it's a uh, it's an old favorite of mine, but um, but 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 it's a good one, right? Um, and um, you know, it's it's a book that is, uh, and I forgot what the author is, but it's uh, it's called Jobs to Be Done, um, and it's based on Clay Christensen's uh, theory in regards to innovation and transformation, right? So um, what what it does is uh, it, it helps hmm. us to understand really different ways of of looking at challenges that we're facing on a day to day basis. Um, and then, you know, figure out if if there's a way that we can go after that that's really going to help us to, um, you know, uh, uh, get to the end goal of that challenge a little bit better. So so instead of like uh, going ab about things in the same way as as, as normal, um, you know, just just to really go about it in a different way and to give you strategies to do that. Uh, the other thing that I'm reading, because I, I like to read multiple things at the same time, um, and it, it's a book called Thinking in Bets by Annie Dukes. Um, and it sort of um, gamifies the way uh, that you look at opportunities um, and, and that you go after opportunities. Um, and, and what it's essentially meant to do is is to make leaders, especially those that are leading large organizations, uh, again, sort of think differently about their business. Right. So this this um, this author, Annie Dukes, you know, um, she she was a, a very successful um, gambler. Right. Um, but she's used the tactics for gambling um, in business in order to really have uh, much better outcomes. You know, so uh, I'm reading uh, Thinking in Bets at the time at this time as well, um, as you know, um, by Annie Dukes. And um, and so far, it, it's uh, it's a good read. <laughs> your boo and Hulu kicks on Netflix. Maybe spend your time on Amazon Prime. What do you watch? What are you watching? You know, I, I actually don't watch a lot of television, um, interestingly enough. My wife, um, there is a series that my wife follows that plays in the background that um, that I do get into a little bit, and it's called This Is Us. I don't know how long this has been around, it's a great um, you know, but um, but it, it, it seems to have a pretty good storyline, you know, so I'm not sure. Have you heard of that before? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's such a good one. I mean, man, I tell you what, you can't watch that too much. It'll pull some tears right out of your eyes, you know, give oh, yeah. you, gives you the goosebumps and stuff. <laughs> And I'm like, man, Absolutely. I like that stuff, but I'm just like, man. But anyways, I'm with you there. Anything you want to say to wrap up? 
No, you know, um, uh, I guess to, to you, Jason, I, I want to say thank you for the opportunity. You know, this was was great to have the conversation and just to, to chat about, um, you know, what I love so much, especially mm -hmm. what, what's happening in regards to this industry and InsureTech. Um, you know, so uh, that's that, I guess that's that's what I would say. If there's anyone that's that is interested in, in um, you know, insurance and innovation and insure tech and transformation and the things that's happening in this industry, you know, I would say, um, uh, you know, you can do a quick search and, uh, you know, visit some of the older episodes of um, of the Insurance Innovators Unscripted podcast and get it from there. But no, um, thanks for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. No problem, man. It was been it's been fantastic. And uh, all you loyal listeners, I you know I do what I do because I do it for you. But I bring people like Abel Travis on because I want to take his thoughts and his ideas, and I want to tell the world, you loyal listeners, uh, what he has to say. This has been Cass. He's been Travis. We're out. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good. Terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial. But you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast certified.